So in the summer times, we have this pattern where we work through the Psalms. And sometimes it's really wonderful, and sometimes it feels like, wow, this is just the same thing over and over again. And I was so excited at the beginning of this summer, feeling like, ah, last summer it just felt like we were saying the same thing over and over and over again. And this summer, at the beginning of the summer, I was going, oh, Every psalm is different. Each one has its own focus. This is wonderful. This is so refreshing. And I forgot that that's the beginning of the summer. And then as you move your way further into the summer, they all start to sound the same again. And so if you've been here for the last several weeks, you've been hearing about David being in some cave and singing a song to the Lord. And so this psalm, Psalm 57 is titled like this, To the Choir Master, According to Do Not Destroy, a miktam of David when he fled from Saul in the cave. And I went, oh, again? Here's David singing his song in the cave again. But as I was reading through it, and as I was meditating on it this week, it just refreshed my soul. And so I am hopeful that as we go through this this morning, that you, even if you start out and go, really, again, there's David hiding from Saul in a cave, singing another song. I'm, I'm hopeful that as we go through it, it will also be refreshing to your soul. Because there's David hiding in his cave, and this is what he says. Be merciful to me, O God. Be merciful to me. For in you my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings I will take refuge. Till the storms of destruction pass by. I cry out to God Most High, to God who fulfills His purpose for me. He will send from heaven and save me. He will put to shame him who tramples on me. Selah. There's David hiding from Saul. He's hiding from Saul because Saul wants to kill him. Saul wants to kill David because David has been anointed to be king. And Saul is currently king. And because all of the people have seen the leadership of David and have recognized that God is with David and that frustrates Saul no end. And so Saul wants to put David to death so that David cannot become king. And so David is hiding, driven out of the capital city of Jerusalem. He's running for his life and he's hiding down in the southern part of Israel in some cave somewhere. This doesn't even tell us which cave. It doesn't tell us which cave or which time he was hiding. And so uh, a couple of us pastors, you may not know this, but several of us pastors in the area, we're all preaching through the Psalms together. And so on Thursday afternoons, we talk about uh, these Psalms and what are we preaching on and how are we going to take this and and that sort of thing. And it's a lot of fun. And, And there was some debate among the pastors as far as which cave and which occurrence this happened to be. And I got a chuckle out of that. Because it doesn't say. 
And we can try and identify, you know, which one it was and when it was. And was it a dulum or was it in First uh, Samuel 22 or 24 or 27 or some other time? But the reality is, I think that David was just moving from cave to cave to cave to cave. Hiding from Saul. And this was one of those caves where he sang this song. Be merciful to me, O God. Be merciful to me. He repeats himself. God, be merciful to me. I I can just hear him going, Hey God, it's me again. Um, I'm hiding from Saul in the cave again, Lord. You may remember that I prayed this before. It was a different cave, but we've, we've had this conversation already, Lord. Still waiting. Still waiting, God. Thanks for delivering me from the last cave, but I'm in a new one now, Lord. Please, God, be merciful to me again. And I, I wonder, you know, as much as I, because we now for a couple of weeks have been looking at very similar psalms, and I'm going, man, this just feels like the same thing over and over again. I bet David was feeling that same way. I mean, for as much as it's a little bit of an inconvenience to me to preach the same message to you two times in a row, uh, for, for David to be praying the same thing to God over and over and over again, Lord, I'm in the cave again. Lord, I'm in the cave again. And perhaps you have that same feeling. Like, what is wrong with me? I feel like I just keep praying the same thing over and over again. I feel like the same thing keeps coming up and over and over again. Sometimes when you write the prayer requests on the connection cards and I get them and I go, oh, Are we still praying for this? Are we still praying for this? God, would you answer this prayer already? Would you bring this to a conclusion yet? Because God, every week they're writing the same thing. And every week I'm coming to you and I'm praying and I know that every day they are coming and they are praying to you because this is on their heart and it's coming up over and over and over and over again. Lord, please be merciful. Please be merciful. Be merciful to me, O God. Be merciful to me. For in you my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings, I will take refuge until the storms of destruction pass by. Isn't that great imagery? I mean, think about the actual word picture here. I'm taking refuge. My soul is taking refuge in God in the shadow of his wings. You can just see a bird doing like this. And in the shadow of those wings, we're huddled in close while the storms of destruction pass by. You live in Oregon. Many of you, I think, live in Oregon. Occasionally, there's rain. 
you may have forgotten because it's been a little while since we saw real rain here. But, occasionally in Oregon there is rain of the kind that just pelts you and soaks you. And you find yourself going outside and being like, ugh. And wanting to be under something. And here's David, and he's hiding in this cave because Saul is out to destroy him. And he's crying out to the Lord and he's going, Lord, my soul is taking refuge in you like a little bird huddled up against its mom with the wings covering so that the rain doesn't pelt that little bird. When those little birds are small and really fuzzy and cute and fluffy, their full feathers haven't come in yet. And they just soak up water like sponges. And when they get all wet, they look pathetic and very sad. And so their mom puts the wings over like this to protect the babies and keep them dry. And so uh, David is crying out to the Lord and is saying, Lord, my soul is taking refuge in you like that. As the storms of destruction are just pelting down, my soul is taking refuge in you. I cry out to God Most High, to God who fulfills His purpose for me. We're not talking about, you know, I'm crying out SOS to anyone who might listen. Hey, hey, uh, anybody who cares, would you pay attention to me? We're not crying out to any old God. He's crying out to God Most High. He says, here's what I know, Lord. You are the Most High God. You are above everything. Your sovereignty reigns. And I'm crying out to you because I'm in trouble. There is no question in David's mind whether or, not David, whether or not God is able to come through. He's crying out to God Most High. He knows how awesome, how great, how powerful God is. He's crying out to God Most High. He knows. He knows. He says, I'm taking refuge in you. I know that you are the Most High God and you are able to do this. I am cry out to God Most High, to God who fulfills His purpose for me. When I read this, the, the phrase that came into my mind, because it's so prevalent, is everything happens for a reason. Right? Everything happens for a reason. I hear this all the time. I'm going through something difficult, somebody I know is going through something difficult, and somebody will come along and say, well, everything happens for a reason. That's not helpful. It's not helpful to me right now. Everything happens for a reason. What do you mean everything happens for a reason? What's the reason? And we find ourselves, when we say everything happens for a reason, looking for the reason. What did I do? Why do I deserve this? What is God trying to teach me in this? How come this specific circumstance has happened in my life right now? What is the purpose for this? 
as though every single little occurrence or, or situation or event has some specific purpose that it's going to accomplish this in my life and I just need to learn that lesson and then the thing will go away. That's not what David's doing here. David says, I cry out to God Most High, to God who fulfills His purpose for me. This is not saying that in every circumstance there is some purpose. It's saying that God's purposes for me will not be thwarted despite my circumstances. Because there are times when I go, I know what the Lord wants for me is for me to be close to Him. I know what the Lord has for me eventually is eternal life with Him, where I will rejoice in Him and with Him. And this doesn't feel like that kind of a situation to me. And David's saying, God, this doesn't feel like this kind of a situation to me. I know that your purpose for me is that I will be king. You've told me that. You've given me that promise. I will be king. I will lead your people. But right now, I'm hiding in this cave because the actual king is trying to kill me. So I'm crying out, God Most High, that promise that you made to me, I'm waiting to see that fulfilled. And I expect that your your purpose will be fulfilled for me. That even though right now I'm hiding in the cave, waiting to die, I believe that your purpose will be fulfilled for me. And I want to encourage you, whatever it is that your cave is, that you find yourself going from cave to cave to cave and crying that same prayer to God over and over again, God's purposes will not be thwarted. God will fulfill His purposes for you. Even though, at times, it doesn't feel like it. I cry out to God Most High, to God who fulfills His purpose for me. He will send from heaven and save me. He will put to shame Him who tramples me. Selah. He's going to come. That most high God, the one who's in heaven, the one who reigns over everything, He's going to come from heaven and He is going to save me. He's going to bring judgment on my enemies and He's going to deliver me from this and He will fulfill His purposes because my God will come and He will come through for me. Ultimately, God Most High will come from heaven to deliver. He will bring justice, He will bring judgment, and He will not fail to accomplish His purposes. That's His hope. And He's crying out, God, here I am again, and I'm waiting for You. You, the one in whom I take refuge. Have you ever been stuck, stuck with a problem, stuck maybe on the side of the road, you've got some issue going on, maybe you were a teenager and you ran out of gas because, well, you weren't paying that close of attention, and people come driving by and they go, oh, do you need a hand? No, it's okay, I've got help on the way. Are are you in trouble? Nope, I'm okay. My dad's coming to get me. 
That's what David's saying. I'm just waiting on you, Father. My dad's coming to get me. Are you in trouble? Do you need help? Nope. Kind of looks like you're in trouble and you need help. Well, I'm stranded on the side of the road with no gas. Yes, that's true. I just don't need your help. Because my help is coming. I know where my help is coming from. And he will be here soon. It's okay. I'm waiting for my dad. God will send out his steadfast love and his faithfulness. My soul is in the midst of lions. I lie down amid fiery beasts. The children of man whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. They set a net for my steps. My soul was bowed down. They dug a pit in my way, but they have fallen into it themselves. Selah. God will send out His steadfast love and His faithfulness. And then he, he describes what's going on, right? This is His confidence. Oh yes, God is going to send help. God and His steadfast love, God's faithfulness, He has never yet abandoned me. He will come through. Of course, right now I'm in the midst of lions. Right now there are some fiery beasts. Right now those children of men whose teeth are spears and arrows and whose tongues are sharp swords. Those people who are saying things about me, who are lashing out at me with their tongues. Those people who are biting and devouring me with their words and slandering me behind my back. All of these situations, those are what's going on. But the Lord is going to come and save me. The Lord is going to come and save me. When I was reading this, I couldn't help. He says, my soul is in the midst of lions. I lie down among fiery beasts. And I thought, oh, that's like the Daniel thing. And then I was thinking about that some more. And I went, oh, wait, this was before Daniel. He's not referring to Daniel here. He's just using this as a, a word picture. But then I was thinking about both Daniel and this word picture about this lying down amongst the lions and the fiery beasts. And I was thinking, that's kind of a weird thing to do, actually. Like, if you threw me in amongst the lions and the fiery beasts, I don't think I'm lying down. I think the thing that I would be doing is hiding behind the rock. Getting out my ninja moves. Or something. Somehow trying to defend myself against the lions who are coming. These are, these are not nice beasts. Lions are mean. Fiery beasts. Fiery is not a word that you would normally use for something cuddly and cute. Right? If I say, oh, that cat is really uh, sweet. Oh, yeah, I could really think about cuddling up with that cat and taking a nap. But if I say, oh, that cat is really fiery, then no longer do I feel like cuddling up with that cat to take a nap. Right? But he's saying, I have this confidence. I have this confidence that the Lord is coming, that the Lord is protecting me, that the Most High God is here. And so in the midst of the lions, in the midst of the fiery beasts, when I'm taking refuge in the Lord, I'm just going to lie down. 
I'm going to lie down and wait. I'm just going to rest here in this cave. I think I'll sing a song. Hey, you guys know any good cave songs? Well, they're the ones from the last caves. Yeah, this is a new cave. I think I'll sing a new one. What do you think about this one? God will send out his steadfast love and his faithfulness. My soul is in the midst of lions. I lie down among the fiery beasts. The children of man whose teeth and spe- are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. I don't know. It's fine. It's a pretty good song. I think I'll write it down. And there he is. He's just resting with his friends in this cave and they're singing songs. In the midst of the turmoil, in the midst of the trouble, he's just waiting on the Lord to come and bring the salvation that God has promised, the purposes that he knows will be fulfilled, and he's just waiting there. And I find myself when I'm praying and going, Lord, I'm praying for the same thing. Am I doing something wrong, Lord? Do I need to do something different so that we can bring about a different circumstance here so that we can get out of this jam? Man, it's hard to just sit and wait. It's so hard to just sit and be at peace and go, you know what, Lord? You know. Here's the same request and I'm just waiting for your timing. I'm just waiting. Would you do this? I'm waiting on you. There's a passage in 1 Peter chapter 5. It says, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. And I could just meditate on that for a long time. That we would humble ourselves and just sit and wait under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time He may raise us up, exalt us. When we're concerned about raising ourselves up and getting ourselves out of these difficult circumstances or to the things that we want to get to, it's going to be a lot of work and very hard. But when we wait for the Lord, He will bring us up at the proper time. And there's all kinds of challenges along the way. So we have to cast our anxieties on Him. That's what it says, verse 7. Cast all our anxieties on Him because He cares for you. So every time those fears come up, every time those worries come up, every time the struggles come up, we just go, Lord, here I am again. Here I am again. And I'm casting my anxieties on you, Lord. Recognizing that the devil is prowling around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And so while we're sober-minded and we're watchful, we can at the same time just sit and go, 
There's the fiery beast. And I am at peace. I am at peace because my great God is with me. And after we have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, the one who has called you to an eternal glory with Christ. See, we're not waiting for what David was waiting for. There's sometimes when we look and we go, well, David was was waiting for the kingship. He'd been anointed to be king and he was going to be exalted to be king. And that hadn't happened yet. But I'm not waiting for that. I'm not going to be the king of anything. No, that's true. But he has called you to an eternal glory in Christ. This doesn't feel like eternal glory yet because it's not. But it's coming. He has called you to an eternal glory with Christ and He Himself will restore and confirm and strengthen and establish you. Restore and confirm and strengthen and establish you. And I know there are at least a few of you this morning who are, are resonating with one or two or three or even four of those words. That He will restore you, that He will confirm you, that He will strengthen you, that He will establish you. Things may be feeling a little bit shaky right now, but the Lord will hold you firm and establish you. To Him be the dominion and glory forever and ever. Amen. It isn't that we don't have any trouble It's that in the midst of trouble, we have a peace and a confidence because the Lord is with us and we know that His purpose to exalt us to an eternal glory with Him, that will be fulfilled. Nothing is going to thwart that. Nothing is going to stop that. So that back in Psalm 57, He now makes this shift. So in the first half of the psalm, he was, he was doing all of this, crying out and explaining his circumstances and crying again to the Lord and saying, this is what's going on, Lord. I want you to know I'm in a cave again. I'm struggling again. Saul's after me again. I'm about to die again. And now he makes this shift in verse 5 and says, Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. God, you are the most high God. Would you make it known? That you are the Most High God? Would you reveal your glory and your power so that all over the earth everyone might exalt you, acknowledge you, praise you, glorify you, lift you up? God, you are incredible. May you be exalted over all the earth. No longer is he in that deep, dark cave anymore. Not his soul, anyway. I mean, his body may be there, his circumstances may still be there, but he has shifted his focus and is now looking at his heavenly Father, his most high God, and saying, would you be exalted in all the earth? Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. They set a net for my steps. My soul was bowed down. They dug a pit in my way, but they have fallen into it themselves. He's going, I know that this hasn't actually happened yet, but it's about to, and I'm waiting for your glory to come. Here's the way that I see it playing out. But Lord, your glory is going to come. 
My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make melody. Awake, my glory, awake, O harp and lyre. I will awake the dawn. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations. For your steadfast love is great to the heavens. Your faithfulness to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. And suddenly it seems like we're reading a completely different psalm. Like who just took these two psalms and stuck them together back and back? They don't even fit. Have you ever listened to a song that started off really slow and then the song finished and it was like really upbeat and fast and you're going, wait, was that the same song or did we sing two different songs and I missed the switch? Because there was this really slow, like deep, dark, lions, fiery beasts, people with teeth that are sharp and tongues of sharp swords. There was all that stuff. And then all of a sudden, boom, it's like the heavens opened and the sun shone down. And we're talking about, may God be exalted over all the earth. And right as that transition is happening, he's still acknowledging in verse 6 that they set a net for his steps and his soul was bowed down and they dug a pit in his way. But in verse 7 and 8, he starts to speak to himself. My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. Why did he have to repeat that? He believed it. And yet I think at the same time he's kind of convincing himself. I'm steadfast. I'm steadfast. My heart is steadfast, oh God. My heart is steadfast. God, I know about your faithfulness and now I too am remaining steadfast. I'm hanging on to you. I'm not letting go. I'm hanging on to you. There's sometimes that the circumstances make us forget the things we know. Because we know God is with us, God is for us, He will never leave us or forsake us, He will hold us with His glorious hand. And then we get into the circumstances and we forget all that, and so we have to remind ourselves, wait, no, wait. God loves me, and God is faithful. God is powerful and God is good. Remind yourself of that. When you're in that that place where you're feeling like your soul is being crushed and you're just being bowed down and there's all that weight and you just have to stop and go, time out. What do I know to be true? That's what they tell you when you're out in the woods, right? Right? If you find yourself out hiking in the woods and you realize suddenly that you are lost and you don't know what to do, don't panic. Don't panic. Because what people will do is they will begin to panic. And they will pick a direction and run. That's not a good idea. Because what if you pick the wrong direction? And then, having run what they consider to be a little too far, they will stop and go, I think this is the wrong direction. I better change directions and try again. Again, not a great idea. Just stop. 
What do you know? What do you know? Stay put. If you don't have any idea where you're going, just stop. Stay put. But otherwise, you can stop and go, okay, wait, what do I know? Well, I know I'm north of the river. So if I, if I can just head south and find the river, I can find my way back. What do, what do I know? Just stop. What do you know? And when those difficult circumstances are, are coming and they're swirling, you just stop and you say to yourself, hold on. What do I know? My heart is steadfast. Oh God, my heart is steadfast. Because I know you. And so, here I am lost in the woods, but God, I know you. You're here. You're faithful. My heart is steadfast, oh God, my heart is steadfast. I'm going to sing and make a melody. And so while I'm stuck in the cave hiding because somebody's chasing after me and it's dark, I don't really feel like singing. I don't feel like tuning my lyre and making up a song and singing. But David's going, I'm going to sing. I'm going to make a new melody. Awake, my glory. Awake, O harp and lyre. I will awake the dawn. That's a great picture. Those deepest, darkest times, the most difficult times when it just seems so dark. He says, you know what? I'm going to awake the dawn. I'm not going to wait for the dawn to come. I'm going to wake it up. How am I going to do that? I'm going to sing a song. I'm going to wake everybody up with my song. I could imagine that happening in my house, actually. I could imagine being woken up with a song. And that's what he's saying. My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make a melody. Awake, my glory. Awake, O harp and lyre. I will awake the dawn. I'm going to turn my uh, crying and my despair into hope and praise. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations. For your steadfast love is great to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. Is he feeling that right now? Your steadfast love is great to the heavens and your faithfulness to the clouds. Is he feeling that? Deep in the depths of the cave? He knows it's true, though. He knows it's true. God's love is steadfast and great to the heavens. There is no end to the love of God. There is no end to His faithfulness. He is forever steadfast, loving, faithful. Even if it doesn't feel like it right now, that is what's true. That's what's true. For your steadfast love is great to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. Look at where this ends compared to where it began. 
At the beginning it was, be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me. At the end, be exalted, O God, above the heavens and let your glory be over all the earth. God, your purposes will not, uh, will not be thwarted. They will be fulfilled for me. And my purposes are I am going to bring you glory and praise and exalt you whatever my circumstances. So that everyone will know how great is my God. How faithful is my God. It doesn't have to do with what your circumstances are. It has to do with where is your faith. That your great God is with you. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. And as I was thinking about this, that God would be exalted above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. I was thinking about what was that moment in which God was most glorified. That moment in which at the beginning uh, in verse 3, he was expecting it. In verse 3, it was, uh, he will send from heaven and save me. He will put to shame those who trample me. And what came to mind was Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Have this in mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. When he said... God will send from heaven to save me. This is how that ultimately is fulfilled. That God the Father sent Jesus, God the Son, to take form of a man to the earth that He might humble Himself even to the point of death. Death on a cross. So that when we find ourselves in need and wondering, where is my God? We remember, oh, I remember where my God is. He's in heaven and he has sent his son to die on the cross for me. He sent his son to die on the cross for me. And when I look at all of the events of history, I mean, I look at my events and there have been some dark points. Not super terrible, awful, but there have been some not so good times. And I look at other things in history where I go, that was not very good. That was a really deep, dark time. But I look at this time when the Son of God came, 
when Jesus walked the earth and was healing people and proclaiming that the kingdom of God had come and his followers were walking alongside him and they were going, yes, oh, this is it. This is the time. God has sent his Messiah, the one who will restore his kingdom. This is it. Everybody listen. Jesus, he's the Messiah. And then Jesus was betrayed. And they went, hold up. Jesus just got arrested. Everybody, wait a second. The Messiah just got arrested. Hang on. What are they doing? They're crucifying him. Hello. Well, this, no, he died. God's chosen Messiah just died. And they put him in the grave. And at that moment, Jesus had won. At that moment, he could say, it is finished. It's done. I have done all of the work that my Father has required so that I can restore anyone who believes in me to relationship with my Father and eternal glory with Him. It is finished. And He rose again from the dead. Having been found in human form, He humbled Himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted Him and bestowed on Him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father." So when David finishes Psalm 57 and he says, Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth that is perfectly fulfilled in the death and resurrection of Jesus, whose name is now over all other names in heaven and earth and underneath the earth everywhere. Every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. And because this is the first Sunday of the month, we celebrate communion to remember that. And very often when we celebrate communion, what we are remembering is that we have a sin issue and Jesus died for our sins so that we could be made clean. And that's absolutely true. But the thing that I want to focus on in the death and resurrection of Jesus today is that this was His victory. This was His great exaltation. That because He humbled Himself, because He was obedient, because He gave His life for us, his name is now above every other name. And so as we take communion this morning, I want you to take it in remembering that whatever our circumstances are, what, wherever we have come from, this is our victory. This is our hope of eternal life and eternal glory with Him. And this is the way in which we proclaim Jesus is greater than anyone else. 
So I would encourage you this morning, if you believe that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, during the next song, would you uh, come up and take the bread and the cup back to your seat? Or there's uh, gluten-free and, and others back there, if it's closer for you to go to the, the table in the back. You can go and get those things, bring them back to your seat. Then I'll come back up together and we will all together take this and acknowledge and glorify our Lord for being above all others. Let's pray. Lord, we ask, would you be merciful to us? Would you see us in our low circumstances and raise us up? Lord, may we be filled with the hope that we have of eternal glory with you. And Lord, may we praise you wherever we find ourselves right now. Whatever it is that we're struggling with or dealing with right now, may we praise and glorify you and seek that in all things you might receive the glory. That we wouldn't just want to be lifted up for the sake of our own comfort. That we wouldn't want to be lifted up for the sake of our own pride. But Father, that in all things, whether or not we are lifted up, that you would be lifted up on high. That you might be glorified. Lord, may you be exalted above the heavens and in all the earth. And may it start in our hearts and in this place that we might exalt you this morning. We ask for this in your name. Amen.